Hi again, everyone. Welcome to Radio MVP Sports Podcast as we get ready for episode 118 here on the Sports Podcast. Hard to believe as we continue to move on. A lot going on in the world of sports. Obviously, high school football is in the midst of its playoffs. We're down to the final eight, which would originally be the normal brackets of the high school football playoffs. We've had two rounds prior to make money for the Ohio State. High School Athletic Association, mm-hmm. so uh, we'll continue to try to make them money as we go forward <laughs> and uh, see if they don't fold because of the uh, coronavirus and all the uh, the problems that that has uh, given the entire world of sports. Uh, it's a little sarcastic, but, <laughs> you know, it's okay. Uh, I'm allowed to be. The Browns completely sucked up this bill today. Uh, the Bengals, well... They get them next week, so we'll see. The Bengals lost, so that was good. Your Broncos won a nice, nice game. Beat the Patriots, right? Coaching malpractice. I'll get into that. I All have right. a whole topic ready to go. Oh, good, so. good. And uh, of course, we're following the Ursuline Irish this year, mm-hmm. and uh, they won Saturday night, a, a convincing victory, not to the surprise of many, over uh, Villa Angela St. Joe's. 47 to 21 and uh it was a uh, you know a pretty good sports weekend even though i didn't necessarily see uh good outcomes other than the ursland one for me personally uh not that uh it matters but yeah uh let's start on good news let's talk about you let's talk about ursland yeah tim it's uh it's uh been a weird year obviously as everybody knows that but it's uh nice to have uh the ohsa playoffs back and for our fifth consecutive year we are broadcasting playoff games and uh considering ourselves very fortunate this time of year because i was driving home friday night um out and about spending time with family uh just flipped to the radio dials 570 1390 1240 all those stations that in years past would be buzzing with high school football playoff action or scores or highlight shows and there was nothing. And uh, the person in the car with me turned. He said, there is no high school football on the radio this time of year. And it, and it stinks. And I said, well, it's very unfortunate. That's, you know, because that's that's fun this time of year. Flip the radio dials, listen to different games. I said, but thankfully, West Reserve Radio is still broadcasting. Two teams that have a really good shot to go far in the playoffs. And Tim, I would quantify Urson's win last night as workmanlike on the offensive end and simply dominant um, and superior on the defensive end. And it's playoff time at Ursuline. Death, taxes, and Dan Reardon winning playoff games. It it, it just continues (laughs) to happen. Uh, What a job he's done in his first two years at the helm back again at Ursuline. Yeah, obviously you're you're seeing the the footprints of Dan Reardon on, on the program again. And the team has responded well. Uh, the defense is getting better. I yes, I, you know, I'm not going to say it's dominating. I'll be quite honest. I think it's it's been don't break personally. Yes, I think, I think overall it is. It, and it's uh, they have made some big plays. Again, like last night's opponent, a good team in a sense, a team that has some talent, but an undisciplined team. Yes. a team that was one in six coming in that you should really dominant and Ursuline had that uh, second quarter first part of the third quarter where they were kind of sleepwalking through the game and yeah and that's what concerns me about this team Tim is uh like you mentioned they have that quarter to quarter and a half where you're right it's just a there's a lull it gets kind of bogged down offensively the defense like you mentioned it bends it doesn't break all the way in um, and it keeps them in the game in the fourth quarter. Um, but like you mentioned, again, a team in Bill Andrew St. Joe's that didn't have the horses to match up with Arsenal. Some nice players. Uh, receiver Taylor was really good. Or, um, and I thought the quarterback's pretty good. Uh, but they didn't have the numbers Arsenal did. Arsenal had the depth. Uh, the Bill Andrew St. Joseph's um, does not. Uh, but it's a win. You don't, you don't apologize for that. It's a win in the playoffs. And uh, they will move on to next Saturday night. Oh, yeah. And, you know, this, like I said, is such an odd mm-hmm. schedule this year. I mean, you had the 
the six-game regular season, and then you have had the playoffs. And I'll say this first, when you're coming off a bye, so it's kind of a weird week mm-hmm. in between, and you didn't know who you were going to face until, sat, you know, really last Saturday night. Yep. Uh, so, you know, you're, you're practicing, but you're not having an opponent to practice against, mm. uh, to, to scheme against, and to do certain things. It, like I said, it's just it's kind of odd. We're kind of seeing what next year playoff brackets will look like. Yeah. Because you're going to have that first week where you're going to have the bottom eight play and the top mm-hmm. four in each region getting the bye, which I really – I'm so – I'm against it. Yeah. You know, I'm going to be I'm honest. It. It's just – I think – I look, it's a money grab. I understand that. And it's not a uh, competition – improve competition at all it's a money grab and it's unfortunate but this is uh you know we live in a world today and you hear this often but you um some some parents complain about it and some fans complain about it uh, being a uh, everyone gets a trophy society mm-hmm. i think coaches have that mentality nowadays yes they i do, really Tim. do You're i exactly really do right and it is, it's frustrating because I've talked to different coaches over the years and, and I'm like, yeah, why don't we just give everybody a trophy? I mean, kind of like this year, everybody makes yeah. the playoffs. Now, I understand it's unique and who knows what next year will look like. We'll have to wait and see what the next 12 months look like. Uh, hopefully a hell of a lot better than this last eight months. Mm-hmm. And we'll go from there. Let's not, you know, get too far ahead of ourselves and just, you know, it's just... Uh, you know, I'm not, like I said, I'm not, I, I just don't like the leadership and what, what has gone on in the last four or five months. And we'll see where it leads and how, how it all fills out. Hey, the, the kids on the field and the coaches on the field, they're playing hard. And, yes, they are. And, and that's all that really matters in the end. All this other BS that I, that I kind of get off track on don't really matter. It's how the kids perform and getting the opportunity to perform on a Friday or a Saturday night is what matters. And uh, Ursula performed well last night, expected to perform well and yes. did. Like I said, they hit, they, in the second quarter, you know, they got that 14 seven lead and then, you know, they kind of fell asleep for the rest of that half and maybe the first start of the second half. And then once they put the pedal to the metal, they were fine. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, the defense did pick up, got a couple turnovers and uh, took advantage of, of, scenarios and really piled on in the fourth quarter which is great and you pulled away and that's what you wanted to see in the end did i thought they would score 45 plus points yeah and they did mm-hmm. so uh you know hats off to them on that level they, they performed well defensively they gave up one real drive the other two were short drives and yeah not that it matters you know uh like I said, the, the most discerning thing is when it was 14-7, both teams punted four times to end the second quarter. Mm-hmm. That was surprising because uh, Ursuline just never could get any momentum going when they thought that they could probably add at least one more touchdown, if not two more, before halftime and really take control of the game then, and it didn't happen. So next week they play West Branch. That's going to be a challenge, going to be on the road. They definitely played, you know, I want to say this. Scheduling matters, but it's also overrated. Yes, because I agree with you, Tim. all that matters each week is the team you're playing. Mm-hmm. And when Ursuline played Fitch in week two, I mean, we, we can see how good Fitch is this year. Yes. That's a mm-hmm. very good football team. We've seen it week two, and it they dominated this Ursuline team. Now, grant you. That's a division two school versus division five school and all you can yeah. go, mm-hmm. go all through the, the math in this and talk about a Catholic yeah. school versus a public school, throw all that nonsense away. Let's exactly. Just, let's exactly. just talk about performance on the field, how they played and, and fish dominated. Then, you know, they went on a couple game winning streak, which was fantastic. They got mm-hmm. themselves back going. They went out to Harding. The breaks didn't go their way. Let's be quite honest. In the second half, every break went against, Ursland in the second half yep. and Harding took full advantage of every opportunity he had, and it was able to pull out that game at the very end. And that it was a learning experience about going on the road and why every play matters. 
And that's my biggest concern this week for Ursland is are they going to go yes. to West Branch and be able to make sure every play matters? Play, yes. Tim, it, it appears to me um, that and, and I don't know and, and I'm not trying to have a negative connotation because and I'm going to get on the Brian Kelly coaching cliche here. Winning is hard. Winning the playoffs is very hard. But Ursland, I don't know if they have that killer instinct, Tim. I really don't. I don't know if they have that that dog in them to be like when we're up seven, 14 points, and we get a stop and we get the ball back. Do we have that killer in mentality to put a team away, to really get, end their spirit? I haven't seen that in Ursland because against Harding, you're up 13 you had the ball, you're driving down to the Harding five, and you and you fumble the ball just in a really bad way. You know, just to play you, the ball security was not great, um, and that let the floodgates wide open. Mooney, again, you're up double digits, and you just slog through. It seems to me that sometimes they go in a 20-minute game stretch where they think they can just roll their helmets out there. They almost get kind of bored where they think their talent will just take them through. And that's not the case. Well, I think more than anything, Anthony, it's not necessarily that. It's that one play that doesn't work as designed. And they go stifles the them. Exact stifles them. They don't yes. overcome that mistake. Let's and just I, say let's just say it's a, a simple dive mm-hmm. play to the left yes. and they lose three yards. They mm-hmm. don't the next play, they don't they're not they don't seem to get to the next level on the next play where they make up that three yards or more yeah. or they put that play behind them. That's where my concerns, uh, it takes, that's what happened in almost every game this year is when they do have a setback within a drive, it seems to set them back where they don't overcome it. And that's where it has been their biggest hurdle this year. They're a good team. They're a good team. They're a talented, talented, good team. And they're going to have an opportunity, you know, to prove themselves this upcoming Saturday against West Branch. This is a very good team. We have not seen them, but anytime you win all your games, you got to give credit where credit is due. The key for me is the running game. When you have the three running backs that they have in the in the offensive line that Ursland has, take advantage of it. I'm not saying don't throw the ball because you have talent skilled players everywhere yes. on Ursland offense because they do. And I expect quite honestly, we're going to see more of the razzle dazzle out of Ursland next week than we did in the last two weeks. I think they put mm-hmm. it kind of in their side pocket for the last three I agree weeks. with that, Tim. And I agree with you there. And I think we're going to see more of that razzle dazzle next week where you're going to see some more ends arounds and uh, reared and thrown in the ball out of mm-hmm. the wildcat or, uh, we haven't really seen that big play since Reardon threw that that long pass uh, touchdown, basically, or set up a touchdown yes. to uh, the quarterback, you know, mm-hmm. and, 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 and Brady Shea, uh, Shannon. So who knows? Um, I do think we're going to see more of that and more of the going for twos. We have not seen that recently. Uh, you know, Dan Reardon's a smart coach. He understands that you want to draw someone in kind of like, you know, what you do offensively, you try to draw in the, the linebackers mm-hmm. and throw over top of them. Yes. And and have a big play or the old Mooney play where they would run, 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 run. And then they send the tight end over the Pitch middle. Over top, and, it, yeah. and it was a 60 yard play. More wide open offense from Ursland than that traditional uh, power eye formation that, that Mooney had. But the, the philosophy doesn't change. You, you want to draw people in and take advantage of mismatches. And that to me is going to be the key for them going forward. Can they take care of the mismatches and will they necessarily make the plays necessary to, to put themselves in a position where they control the game throughout, uh, where they don't lose control of the game, like the game up in Warren in the second half, even though they were trailing, you pretty much knew the, the aggressor in that team was, was Harding in, was that, Harding, yeah. in that game and Harding in the second half, put themselves in position to win that game. Yeah, they got all the breaks, but that's part of football. You have to overcome that. Yeah. And it's unfortunate, but, you know, those things happen. When the ball does, 
bounce your way properly or you don't get the right call when you thought you recovered a fumble and mm -hmm. other things, you just got to suck it up. It's difficult. I mean, we're 16, 17, 18 year old kids out there. It's difficult. Yeah. Uh, it's up to the coaching staff to figure that out and help them along. And quite honestly, I think they have the coaching staff to do that. So, Oh yes, Yes. This will be, I mean, this will be the game that people will remember during this playoff run. Because either two things are going to happen, obviously. You're going to win or you're going to lose. But it's yeah. how well you play in this game that people will remember. If you lose a shootout 31-30, and it's just because you played a great game, you know, a great team, and you had it make big, great plays, and let's just say West Branch makes the final big play and wins the game, you can walk off the field feeling good. I mean, you're going to be heartbroken, but you'll feel good about how well you played. But if you lose this game – 31, you know, or 28, 17, and you left five plays on the field that, you know, you're better off and you didn't do what necessary to win a ball game. It's going to eat them alive for all. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think they're at right now. It's going to be a gut check and they have a chance to do well, but this West branch team, you can't overlook them. This team, you have to look to them like you did a Fitch, like you did a Harding and be ready to play that game. Yeah. Let me say this. You know, you can definitely tell um, the imprints of Dan Reardon in two short years. Because remember, this is a program that was coming off some pretty lean years where they didn't they have a they didn't win very much, uh, had a couple year streak where they missed the playoffs. But you can definitely tell this team is cultivating that winning culture and learning how to play complete games and learning how to win. And I think the longer these kids play together the longer they're with Coach Reardon, they're going to develop all those habits that they're not there yet. Yeah. Um, I'll say this, and you made a really good point in the air last night, Tim. Um, you said in weeks past, you never know what to expect from a Dan Reardon team because you really don't. It could be fourth and ten, and Coach Reardon has such confidence in his players that he may go for it, or he may try a, a fake punt or – you know, something crazy or go for two. But last night, he kicked extra points every time. And I think that's twofold. A, keep it in your back pocket so you don't put it on film because last night you didn't need to go for two at all. And B, you get Poplowskis. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. It's a tough. I think it's Pulowski. Okay, Pulowski. Um, You get him confidence. Hey, I can go after in a playoff game and a, and a rivalry game against Mooney or a game against Harding and make these kicks because I've watched Dan Reardon teams in the past where they've had to trot out a field goal kicker to make a key field goal, make a key extra point to win the game or to hold off the other team. Um, so I definitely liked your comment last night of, there is some thinking behind this. This is, you know, and, and probably like, let's just not give away. Right. You can't play ch checkers in a chess game. No. And I don't believe the Ursuline coaching staff is. I think they're playing chess in a checkers. You know, they're yep. most of their opponents yeah, are playing checkers and they're playing chess. Yeah. And that's the key is not to make a, a blunder move where you lose your, your, your big, your big pieces on the field. Do, do and, not and, commit coaching malpractice. Exactly. And that's what it's all about. I mean, you got to put yourself in position to, to do well and you have to give yourself a chance to win, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're five, they're five and two going into next week. We'll see how they do. And uh, I, I like, I think this team has a chance to do something good, but, it has to play four quarters, and I'm not sure we've seen four quarters out of this Ursling team yet. Next week will probably be the week, if they don't do it, they can be upset. I'll say this. Um, Ursling, to me, is the more, more talented team. Um, they have skill positions everywhere. If there's not enough football to go around for the skill players, they have to. Either uh, deep at running back or deep at receiver. Um if Ursuline holds on to the ball, and this is any team, but especially with Ursuline, if Ursuline holds on to the ball and doesn't turn it over, like last night a pick on the, on the first play of the game since 
uh, Bill Andrews, St. Joseph with a 15-yard field. If they don't turn the ball over that deep in their own territory or inside the opponent's 10-yard line, uh, I think Gerson's going to roll West Branch. I know well, West Branch is a good team. Right. And that's what I'm talking about by playing four quarters, Anthony. That's what I'm talking about yeah. playing four quarters. You have to, you know, there were two turnovers in that game that probably in a, in a better scenario would never have happened. Mm-hmm. However, they did. And the first one gave an early lead to your opponent against a more seasoned team, a team fundamentally that, sound, yes. yeah, fundamentally sound team. You give them an extra seven points. That could be the seven points you lose by. You lose the game. Yeah. And that's going to be interesting to see how it goes and, forward. And look, there are teaching moments in every game. And the old coaching will say is you'd rather have them in a win than a loss. And, and Dan Rudin go to practice tomorrow and say this, 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 and this, that against a better team like West Branch, that can cost the game like you talked about. Um, I think you're right, Tim. I think we're going to see a uh, more open attack this week. I think uh, still you're going to see Urson and Dan Rudin try to establish the physicality and the line of scrimmage up front running the football. Uh, the Urson teams in the past that have had success in the rear in the playoffs have ran the ball really well and then have – when the linebackers and the safeties are up in the box, basically hit him over top. And Ursula just has so many weapons and Manning and Reardon and Irving uh, without Dean Boyd. They're missing a stud in Dean Boyd. Um, and they have McElroy and Bernie. I thought Bernie played really well. as they Maybe his best game we've seen him play this year, Tim, running the football defensively and uh, catch the ball in the backfield. Um, so, hey, it's a playoff win for these kids who have, let's be honest, have not seen the playoffs either if at all or lately, it's a big playoff win. You move on and uh, you see another week. Oh, exactly. It's, it's a growing opportunity. Let's, we'll see what next uh, Saturday night brings against West branch. As we look uh, forward, let me, uh, let me get this off my chest. The Cleveland Browns. Yes. uh, They lost uh, 38 to seven to the Steelers disappointing in the play, not necessarily, Mm -hmm. uh, Obviously, you want to win every time you take the field. I don't care if you're a fan or a coach or yeah. a player or, or the water boy. You want to win every time you take the field. Not going to happen. It's how you play and the level of you, that of your play that matters. The Browns are one and two in the division in this in the North now. Uh, yeah, injuries happen to every team. I don't care who you are. I mean, Steelers lost a defensive back, you know, today. Yeah. Uh, the Browns were kind of beat up a little bit. You're going to get beat up in the NFL. No team goes unscathed. No. no. And uh, obviously the last two games missing Nick Chubb tremendously. It definitely hurts the offense. There's no question about it. Baker Mayfield may be at his ceiling and that's a scary thought. Uh, we talked about this, uh, you know, three years ago, four years ago, whatever it was when we did the draft yes. review, I preview, said, yes, you know, Baker Mayfield came in with the highest floor, but possibly the lowest ceiling. Lowest ceiling, yep. And I'm afraid right now we're seeing his ceiling, and that's not good enough in the NFL uh, to to win divisional games in the North. And that look, there's a lot of offensive talent on this team, and the offensive line is beat up a little bit. They were missing Teller. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did not play to their highest level. The Steelers dominated him from play one to the end of the game. They're four and two though, through six games. Yeah. There's an extra playoff spot this year than in the past. You know, uh, they now have that, you know, extra playoff spot to make more money in the NFL. It's just like the Ohio High yep. School Athletic Association. So anyways, uh, you know, everything's watered down nowadays. So can an eight and eight team make the playoffs? Probably. In, the, in any Absolutely. league, in either the AFC or the NFC, either conference, you don't want to be eight and eight. I don't care who you are. Uh, yeah, that's an improvement when you're six and 10 the year before. They're four and two right now. Next week's a huge game on the road in Cincinnati, a divisional game. I, you know, you, when you can talk about success of a team, I don't care what team you're talking about and, and any division in the NFL, your goal. Your minimum goal to be a successful team is three and three 
in your conference play because mm. that's how you win divisions is conference play. I talk about this with the Indians, well, you know, because of how, mm-hmm. how lopsided the, the scheduling is. You have to win your divisional games. And it works that way in all sports because they're weighted more. You play them twice every year, home and away. It matters. It absolutely tells you how good a team is or isn't. And the Browns stand at one and two. And they were beat up in those two losses. They lost by 32 to Baltimore. They lost by 31 today to the Steelers. Uh, They won a close game against Cincinnati. Uh, they need to go down to Cincinnati and win that ball game. I don't care if it's by one or by 15, as long as they win, then they're two and two in the division. And then for them to have a chance to have a successful year this year, they got to win one at two of those games at home against Pittsburgh or Baltimore. Not an easy task, but that's why it's so important next Sunday that the Browns are able to show up in Cincinnati and play their best game and have a chance to win. No quarterback controversy for me. Baker's your quarterback all season long, yeah. unless he gets injured, or unless he completely falls on his on his face. Case Keem knows that offense and probably can run it. And he did a very good job in, in Minnesota a few years back. I definitely believe he's a perfect backup. And that's all he is right now. Yep, he's a backup. If if he's playing, it's because of injuries, you know, or truly Baker fell completely on his face, and I don't think he will. But I am concerned that we're seeing the ceiling because we're seeing the same thing over and over from him. Uh, two interceptions just is what we were talking about. The high school level works at the NFL level. You can't turn over the ball like that. You can't throw a pick six. You cannot uh, throw into coverage with two men on him and expect to get away with it. It just it doesn't happen. You don't have that big enough arm. The only person in the last few years that has that big enough arm to overcome small spaces is Josh Allen. That yeah. can, he can, you know, he's like, he's like a lot like Rogers. He can thread the needle when he needs to. And Rogers is what, 15 years into the league now. So yeah, not the same arm that he was five years ago, but you know, needless to say, he's getting beat up today. But my point is uh, you, unless you possess that huge arm and, and, and a good example of that is, is, is Ben Roethlisberger, a big arm when he came out of college, you know, 15 yep. years later, Still a really good arm, not necessarily not. as strong as it once was. No, but you never, you always lose your fastball in all sports, you know, mm-hmm. uh, especially, you know, you compare like a pitcher in baseball and a quarterback yep. in football, you're going to lose your fastball. There's no way you can take the hits in football and not. There's no way you can age and not. Uh, John Elway lost his fastball. Was it still really good at the end? Yeah. But yeah. you know what? Uh, Peyton Manning lost his fastball at the end. Was he really good quarterback? Manning lost his fastball and his two-seamer. Yeah, he was throwing change-ups, and it worked. Yes, he was. You had a change on a change, you know. But, uh, you know, when you have skill sets of that level, you can get away with diminishing talents and, you know, uh, and assets and get away with with opportunities. But uh, that's my concern about Baker right now is my concerns when he came out was he's, you know, six foot tall. He He wasn't tall for a quarterback in the NFL. Uh, not what you would call highly athletic. What his, what was the book on him coming out of college? And then we seen the first year when he came in relief and, and started those games was he was accurate. He's not as accurate as he once was. And, uh, you know, when he came out of college, he was considered the most ready-to-play quarterback coming out of college. The question was the ceiling. And now we're in the third year. I know he's had a lot of coaches, and I know it's unfair on that level. And it's only six games this season. Mm-hmm. But my biggest concern going forward for him is, has he reached his ceiling? Because if he's reached his ceiling this year and next year, you're going to play him, and then you're moving on from him uh, because you can't win the a- a- AFC North that way. So you know, I, I'm concerned, but I'm not. I don't want to. I just have a level of concern going forward. Four and two is important to be, remember at the six game mark. You have two more games before the bye. So, you know, the thing is, like I said, next week, huge, huge game against Cincinnati. And the most important thing right now is regroup as a team, go down to Cincinnati, win against a team you're supposed to beat, 
and be two and two in the division with the opportunity to maybe have a winning record in your, in your division, or at least a 500 record and go forward. Because if you're two and four, your division, it's really difficult to make the play because you just, you lose so many tiebreakers. It just becomes harder and harder. Yeah. Let me, let me say this. Mayfield is better. Is a better passer when he's on the edge of the pocket making plays than he is in the pocket. And Pittsburgh did a really good job of keeping him inside the pocket and not letting him scramble. Now, part of that, like you mentioned, is not having Nick Chubb because having Chubb, it sets up the play action and it takes the stress off it. But you mentioned the interceptions he threw and those are passes you can't make in high school ball, especially not against one of the best defenses in the league who have we've had a knack of forcing turnovers this year. The Browns have been outscored 76 to 13 against two top teams in the North this year. Yeah. And that's, it, it, it is what it is. That's the biggest um, concern. The, but you're going to see if this Browns team is improved or not by what they do next week. If they come out and win next week after getting their teeth kicked in this week, then you, you feel good about yourself. You're five and two, you're two and two in the division. But if they go on and get beat next week, this thing's going to go off the rails again. Well, yes, off and the no. rails and probably. Let, let me stop you for a second. Let 10. me stop you for a second. This is kind of a repeat of week one. Week one, they played Baltimore. They got the teeth kicked in, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And then four days later, they played Cincinnati and won. Same scenario. You played a divisional game in Pittsburgh, the two top teams in your division, Baltimore and Pittsburgh, and they both kicked you in the teeth and, and dominated mm-hmm. you. The way to get healthy is to go down to Cincinnati and win that ball game. Cincinnati's not as good, as talented no. as you are. They have a, a, a young quarterback who's growing and can probably be more successful than your quarterback. But we don't know that long-term. We've only talked about the six games that we've seen so far this year. They do have Joe Mixon, a, a running back, who's a very good running back you can build an offense with. Mm-hmm. And they have wide receivers. I mean, you got A.J. Green, who's a veteran. Mm-hmm. you got – Tyler Boyd are good. So this is a matchup of, of two teams that are similar in the Browns and, and Bengals. The Bengals haven't learned to win yet. The Browns have a taste of winning in the first six weeks. But, yeah, it's going to be really a get-well weekend uh, next week because if they lose, then the following week against Las Vegas is going to be very difficult at home. And Yes. I don't and want Vegas to get too far pretty well. Yeah. And I don't, I, I'm not a type of person, as you know, that gets really into the schedule and talks about mm-hmm. what's coming up and all that. I care about what happens this week and mm-hmm. how you play. And then you perform for the next week and prepare for that next week. So I don't want to jump the gun, but yeah, if this is a must win for the Browns in Cincinnati, they have to go down there and win because yep. you want to be five and two going against Las Vegas, and then worst case scenario, through eight games, you have a two game. Yes, win, you know you you have five wins, and you're five and three. Everyone, you know, could take a deep breath and say you're three or four games away from a potential playoff spot. But that's down the road. You can't get that far down the road. Right now, after this humiliating loss, the most important thing is have this opportunity to go to Cincinnati, which is not going to be easy for this team. No and play their best game because you're not going to have Nick Chubb and you're going to have to have their defense rise to occasion that it really hasn't done much this year. If the defense can get some sacks and has, has gotten some turnovers, Turnover, but in yeah. a game like this and against, against Baltimore, they weren't able to get those turnovers. And you see the difference in the offense and you see the difference in the posture of this team. So yeah, it next week, I hate calling game seven a must win, but yeah, I mean, it, 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 is. it really is. It comes down to this is a season breaker because you can be either, you know, like I said, there's not a lot of difference in my mind and never has been between a seven and nine yeah. and nine and seven team. The difference is winning close games yep. and putting your and beating teams you're supposed to beat. So when you lose to a team, you're not supposed to beat, you lose it to a team that you're, you, you should beat. Let me rephrase that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you put yourself in detriment of having a bad season. And hopefully this coming week, the Browns will refocus, be ready, go down to Cincinnati and, uh, and get a most much needed win because it will be 
really, really a pivotal moment in this team's success. Because like I said, uh, you definitely want to win this game for when you go home to play Las Vegas in two weeks, you're ready and you're prepared and you're on a, you're on a good footing. You don't want to go in there thinking, Oh no, if we lose, we're going to be four and four and you know, that type of scenario. So that's my thoughts on the Browns. I thought overall it was just a, a disappointing performance. If they lost 38, 21, it was a little bit better played mm-hmm. game. I would say, okay, we got a kit. We got kicked in the teeth, but we made a few mistakes and they yeah. took advantage of it. Or if it was a 28, 21 game, same type of yep. thing, your defense played a little bit better. You didn't give up the, you know, the extra touchdowns and stuff like that, but that's not the case. 38, seven, you know, you got ran out of Heinz field once again. And once again, Ben Roethlisberger owns the Browns. Simple as that. And with that, I'm done. And you can talk about your Sunday night or Sunday afternoon about your Broncos. Yeah, I just want to say this first. Uh, this is a Chase Claypool appreciation notice. I believe by the end of the year, Chase Claypool will be the best wide receiver drafted in the 2020 draft. Yeah, I think that's pretty much given. Um, I agree. I'm proud of him. It's not surprising to me, someone who's watched him for four years, uh, the kid is a stud. Um, his athletic ability to go up and get the ball, uh, to make guys miss in the open field. Uh, he's versatile too. You can run the ball with. Uh, so it was nice again to see Claypool, uh, show out. Um, but yeah, let me get on this, Tim, because I have seen it now today, multiple games. I've seen it last year. I've seen it previous years. I am tired of coaching malpractice. I am tired of coaches at any level, college, the NFL, getting too cute, outthinking themselves, and just making dumb, boneheaded decisions. Today, my Broncos are facing Scam Newton, who I think is overrated, who I think is overrated. He has always been. I think he's a bum. Um, we were humiliating him. We were whipping him up and down the field again for the fifth straight time. And his owner, Mr. Von Miller, was not even there to give him more nightmares. So you get Drew Locke coming back. You're without your number one receiver, your starting tight end, your number two running back. Um, the red zone was, that's been a problem for 10 years now. So that's nothing new. You're up 18 to three. You are dominating them. Philip Lindsay is getting stronger as he goes on. He finished with over hundred yards. He should have had 130 if our coaches did not commit malpractice. But we decide all you have to do is run the clock, chew the clock. Now this is coming to him after a nine minute drive. We had a nine minute drive. We chewed clock, got points. And it's set up to, for a big win in New England where, let's be honest, we haven't won very often, and many teams don't win very often. But then all of a sudden, we decide to go pass, 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 with a guy making his first start coming off a dislocated shoulder. And we throw two interceptions in back-to-back plays that give the Patriots life. Now, yes, we held on, but I am tired of Vic Fangio not having any idea how to manage the clock. It happened four times last year. It happened against the Titans this year. It happened again today. Thankfully, the defense bailed them out today. And only because the Patriots practiced, what, once, twice in 17 days? He got lucky and bailed out. And then the end of our game goes into the Titans-Texans game. Now, this is the most I've watched the NFL since week one with you, Tim. And the Titans blew a big lead. Texans come back. They're up 36 to 29. With two minutes to go in the game, you kick the extra point, right? To go up 37-29? No. Oh, yeah. Romeo Cornell goes for two, and he doesn't get it. And then the Texans come back. They force overtime. And then in overtime... Romeo Cornell is supposed to be a defensive coach on third and goal, where if you hold them to a field goal, 
a top 10 quarterback in the league in Deshaun Watson gets the football, having a great game to go down and win it or to tie it. And the Titans give you their play. They line up five wide and in a wildcat for Derrick Henry from the five-yard line. Everybody in America who knows football or doesn't know football knows he's going to run the ball up the middle. And they have four guys playing in the back of the end zone. What are you doing? Why? I don't know. What are you doing? And then, and then yesterday, my domers are facing Louisville, who couldn't stop Ursuline's JV team on the ground. And the plays that we ran for 330 yards against Florida State, and Florida State looked good last night, got a big win against the fraud Carolina team. The same plays that we ran for 300 and something yards on the ground, we stopped running. And we decided to run a bit, a gap and B gap, which makes it really easy for the linebackers and the defensive line to come down and play downhill. But then in 20 mile an hour wins, Brian Kelly decides when the weather's crappy, I've got to throw the ball like I'm Mike Leach and the air raids hit South Bend. And we're going to throw it with the game manager who has a noodle arm about as good as Craig Krenzel. No offense to Craig Krenzel because the kid was a hell of a leader. But I'm tired of seeing coaching malpractice. Tim, if the winds are 20 miles an hour, you're not throwing deep shots every time. And if the defense is bringing all-out corner blitzes, you're not sitting back there taking seven-step drops, throwing 30 yards down the field. You're throwing crossing routes. I mean, I can't wait for Ohio State to come back this week because at least I'm going to see that when Nebraska sends seven, eight guys at Justin Fields, he's going to hit a crossing route or a screen out of the backfield. Let's not get too cute. Let's, let's take the plays that are given to us and let's stop this coaching malpractice. Stop. I'm tired of it. It is making it tough to watch. Please make football great again and well, quit coaching malpractice. Yeah, I can't disagree with any of that. I will say this, and and we and, and my team won, Tim. I understand. I understand. My team's were two and zero. Oh. Yeah, no, and but here's up. here's here's the truth of the matter. You're not you're not incorrect in your thinking process because in the end, what happens? We do give a little too much credit to coaches. And when coaches, we do blame coaches too much too. However, game management is a huge part of coaching. Mm -hmm. Understanding your philosophy of what you wanted to do. I will say this, even though the Browns did not play well, the one drive they had at the end of the first half where they did score. That was nice. That was time management done perfectly. Yes. Uh, and you ran when you're supposed to run to get the clock moving. You did a short little um, screenplay, a safe play, mm-hmm. and, you know, they kept the clock moving, and you scored with just over a minute left in the, in, in the half. Now, grant you, you had a chance in this, you know, when you get the ball back, you can make a lot of choices, and you can make a debate mm-hmm. about how that was handled the last – 45, 50 seconds of the half when the Browns had the ball back. But needless to say, it really wouldn't make that much of a, uh, a matter in the game uh, in the end because the Steelers just dominated you. Uh, but, yeah, missed opportunities are important, and that's what I'm talking about. And at all levels of football, that's why I have my concerns about Ursland, as we talked about earlier. You can't leave points on the field. You can't leave plays on the field. You can't, you know, you want to take advantage of every opportunity you get. Now, no one's perfect. I realize that. But understanding the game, understanding situations is imperative in football today more than ever before because mm-hmm. uh, points do get put up. And this year without fans really at, at games, it, you're, if you're a traveling team, you got to take full advantage of that. Exactly. Yes, and you're you not going to have this in the future. And you have to take advantage that you're going to only have 5,000 or 10,000 or 15,000 out of the game. Yeah, they're going to make some noise, but you should be able to handle that. And you should be able to handle that in your sleep. Yeah, yes. exactly. And it's a lot different between, you know, 60 to 80,000 people. Yep. It's, it's going to matter. And you got the same thing going on in college football. I'm glad you brought up the about Ohio State coming back next week. 
yeah. a full Saturday. Uh, like you yeah. said, they get Nebraska to open up. Should be a lot of fun just to see them on the field again. Uh, it's going to be, uh, it's just going to be fun to, you know, have a Saturday afternoon to care about again. And s- Saturday evening will be uh, hopefully over in a West Branch to cover that game and everything goes well this week. And then we'll go forward from there. Uh, Let me but yeah, I'm, I'm excited about the Buckeyes coming back and, you know, we'll see how it all, how it all works out. But yeah, again, I talk about this every year with everybody. There's three teams in college football that you talk about every yep. season. That is yep. Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio state. We've seen now Clemson and Alabama prove their worth. Yep. Uh, as, as both of them have been challenged at different times in different games this year and ended up pulling away and winning. Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, this very good Buckeye team starting late and you know, playing only conference games going down to Nebraska or going west of Nebraska, however you want to call it, and and taking on the Huskers and see how they perform on the road to start the season, which is unique for Ohio State. Let me say this. Would it shock you? Because I expect this to happen. Would it shock you if Ohio State hangs uh, 56 on them? I don't know what to expect. But, no, I would not be shocked. I won't be shocked by anything uh, because it's such an odd year. Uh, there's no question in my mind. I believe Ohio State is a much more talented, better team, mm-hmm. and should win this ge- upcoming game with Nebraska. You know, by three touchdowns or more. I think that's not unrealistic. Does that mean it will be? I'm not a. Pre- I'm I'm usually wrong, but when you look at the <laughs> talent level, you look at the talent level. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll put it at three touchdowns. I think they can win. You know. Let's just say uh, 45 to 7, 45, 15, you know, 20, you know, in that range. It's very possible. Uh, we, I just, we don't know. We know the talent level of Ohio State offense and defense. We haven't seen them play. We haven't seen anybody mm-hmm. play in the Big Ten. Yeah. You know, it's the first week. So you're going to see first week play. And I know it's the end of October, but you're going to see first week you're, play. Yes. Yes, and you are. The exciting thing is going forward is that we're going to have football for the next eight, nine weeks of Big Ten football. And Pac-10 starts in a week. And it should be interesting to watch uh, going forward for both for both these conferences that get started here late and want to participate in the uh, championships. And they can. Yes. And like I said, now is Ohio State's chance to shine. Uh, Alabama and Clemson have had their opportunity to stage by themselves. Mm-hmm. Now the new boy on, or not new boy, but the the missing link of the of the trio is is back. So we'll see going forward. Hopefully everything works out. It's not going to be easy. It's it's you know we're we're seeing infections they across themselves. Yeah, well, yeah. We're seeing the effects of a uh, fall and winter coming on yep. COVID, and it's and these universities and in schools and in states and everything. So, you know, be vigilant out there. You love football. You love that. Wear your mask, um, protect yourself, protect your family, protect your, your fandom, because that's the only way these things are going to play. It's not going to be easy, but it, it can be done. I'm looking forward to it. I, I really truly am uh, Saturday afternoon to watch Buckeyes play and then, Hopefully Sunday night, watch the uh, the Irish play from Ursuline and get two W's, move into Sunday and see what happens. And uh, I will say this, I got a, I got a busy Saturday morning too because the AFL Grand Finals will happen at uh, 4 o'clock in the morning. Oh, my God. Yes. So, Oof. yeah, yeah, I'm going to try to get up. I won't prom- promise myself that, but, yeah, it'll be 4, 4 a.m. here. So, Oof. yeah. And uh, Port Adelaide, who was the number one seed, uh, was upset by Richmond, which was the number two seed, which was really not a big upset. But yeah, so Richmond will be facing Geelong in the grand finals. Speaking mm-hmm. of which, I'm going to email Gemma tonight and hopefully get her on to preview it. We'll do a separate podcast just with me and her and and I'll see if I can get some other people maybe to join us and uh and talk about that grand final because the season comes to an end down in Australia a month later than normal. Richmond Tigers and the Geelong 
cats. So it should be a, a, a great grand final, actually. And uh, I'll be rooting for Geelong. Simple as that. I, I, I was going to root for Port Alladay. They lost uh, 46-40. A tough game. Well, my, uh, my allegiance now will go to Geelong and the cats and always against Richmond. War on Richmond. <laughs> All uh, right. Well, yeah. Well, that's that's yeah, that, that's everything, my friend. That's it. Yeah. That's uh, that's uh, football in a nutshell. I'm gonna uh, take well, my uh. Well, let me get this uh, with yeah. you real quick. Uh, obviously, baseball's headed towards the World Series. Yeah. The Rays. I gotta give the Astros a lot of credit. Yeah, I do too for fighting back. Yeah. Down yeah. three games to nothing to win three straight games. Mm-hmm. Took on. Uh, Tampa in game seven and Tampa just outplayed them and played their best game in four games, quite honest with you. And they won, they moved on to the world series first time since what, 2008, I believe. Yes, so yes. Uh, it's going to be tough to root, not root against the ace or excuse me, against the race and uh, the Dodgers and uh, the Braves play. Let's uh, I don't know. Uh, I haven't tonight I they, at eight. Yeah. Uh, 8.30 they play, and the uh, Dodgers are going uh, Mike Hargrove-esque here, starting uh, righty Dustin May in Game 7. Uh, Mike Hargrove started Jarrett Wright in Game 7 of the World Series. And I don't want to get into that. Move, by the way. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're going to see how it goes. And, uh, Tim, at this point, even if the Dodgers win, and the Dodgers have been far and away the best team in baseball all year. They have uh, – they've had – they have the best record. I'd be shocked if the Rays were not favored in the World Series, no matter. I mean, they're playing that good right now. I think the Dodgers will be a slight favorite if the Dodgers get there. I think they'd be a favorite over Atlanta. I'm actually open to either team. I think it should be a great World Series either way. I agree. I think it's going to be a really good series. I think it's going to be at least six games, if not seven. Now, this is going to be a phenomenal series. I really do. I think we can have a, a really fun World Series coming up. And, you know, it's different. There's no days off, man. <laughs> Seven no, straight days. Not. Well, you know? I think in the World Series are going to be a day or two off. I think yeah, I think you're right. Out. I think they actually do. They go back yeah. to the normal normal uh, schedule. Two off. Yeah. Three, three and off. That's, yeah, and, that's, yeah. and, that's, and that's two because of television, but. Yep. I tell you what, watching these last seven days, man, just boom, 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 game after game. I after like game. it. Yeah, it was. It really changes the atmosphere. And quite honest with you, it made a lot of sense because you're in the bubble situation where neither yeah. team, yes, one bats last, but there's no real advantage of being yep. at home and traveling in you're front right. of brands and stuff like that. So, uh, off to Dallas, the winner. To take on yeah. the race, and we'll see what happens next week, and we'll we'll, we'll talk about the uh, World Series coming up. But yeah, congratulations to the Rays, and slight edge for me for Atlanta tonight. I'm rooting for Atlanta. Just you got Atlanta tonight. Just yeah, I I, I, just I, I love that, that team. I just love that team and the way it's built. Tim, I uh, so I don't know if I made the comment to you or if I made it to somebody else, but this Atlanta team reminds me of the 2016 and yeah it's well. yes good pitching good manager good bullpen um some unproven arms in the rotation but they're pitching well and the offense is getting clutch hits and they remind me a lot of the 16 indians hopefully yeah. for their sake they have a better ending well who knows uh what will happen you know on that level mm-hmm. but you look at Ozzy Albi, uh, oh, Albi, you look at Freeman, Freeman. You, you look at some of the players on that team. I mean, they got some young, They're you know, studs. Swanson. They got some players that, you yes, know, they, 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 they should have the success that, that they're having. Their pitching has come along and gotten better yes, as the season is. progressed. And Good point. Uh, there's a reason why they won their division. There's a reason why they're playing so well. There's a reason why they're in game seven of the NLCS. Uh, and the same with the Dodgers. Dodgers have uh, up and down the lineup, the best lineup in baseball. So we'll see what yep. happens. Yeah, it's going to be a fun. It's going to be a fun one. I'll probably turn that on here, on here tonight for a little bit, and uh, still hoping in my heart of hearts, Tim, that uh, someday that's going to be us. Well, the Cleveland Baseball Club will have a chance someday. Someday, Tim. Someday, you and I can have a uh, World Series post game podcast uh, celebrating something that 
we've all been looking forward to for years. Yeah, go spiders, I guess, right? <laughs> go spiders or Buckeyes or whatever it is. <laughs> hey, at this point, I don't care if they call themselves the Cleveland Letters as long as they get to hold up that trophy. So. Let's hope. Let's hope. Um, I used to think it would happen in my lifetime. Now I wonder. I've gone 53 years without seeing it. Keep the I, faith, I've, Tim. I've keep lost. the faith because I need somebody to keep the faith for yeah, me. Yeah, well, exactly. And let me put it this way. Uh, unfortunately, as, as life goes on, there's people that you, you spent with and never did see it. So they I don't just get knock on wood. No. Yeah. And you know what? Sport. That's what makes sports fun because you care. Yeah. And yep. Uh, like I said, that's what makes all levels of sports fun. And if we didn't care, we wouldn't watch and we wouldn't pay attention. We wouldn't be talking right now. So that's right. Uh, yeah. Have passion. It's a good thing. It is a good thing. Even if you win a game against a one in four ACC team by scoring. Well. You know what? Uh, in the end, you win, win and move on. Winning. Hey, thank you, Brian Kelly. Winning is hard. Winning is hard. And he's a leader. That's right. I, it, I told you my know, cousin yesterday, I feel like watching Notre Dame this year is like watching a Jim Trezzo Ohio State team. Really let me, let me ask you this question real yes. quick. Yes. Is Brian Kelly the new Digger Phelps? I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd go that far. Um. I, I mean, he, Digger Feltz has some really good, talented teams and, you know, and he had some major, never, major, major upsets along the way, but never got over the hump and, and spent a I'll very long this. career at Notre Dame, a successful yeah. career at Notre Dame. And Kelly seems to be headed on the same track. He's had some talented teams. He had some less yeah. talented teams, but he seems like he's cemented there for another five, another five, seven years if he wants. He's going to retire at Notre Dame. Um, and he's pretty much the coach as long as he wants to be at this point. Digger had some big wins over some teams that you gave him no shot against the Bill Walton UCLA teams. Absolutely. Um, like that. I don't think Brian, uh, I don't know if Brian Kelly's had that. You know, he hasn't had a win against a team where you look at and like, yeah, you shouldn't have won. Maybe Oklahoma in 2012 at OU, he shouldn't have won. Um, there's been a lot of coaching malpractice games with him. Um, that I can write a book on. Um, nah, I, I don't know. To, I still think Phelps won some games that he shouldn't have won that Kelly hasn't done yet. You know, Digger at least competed in the big games. We haven't seen that. And unfortunately for me, we're three weeks away from Clemson coming to town in a 40-point beatdown. Well, that's my point. Is yeah, I Digger mean, Phelps was really good at being competitive. Yeah, and he had, like you said, some 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 big wins in his career, but when it came down to competing for a championship, getting to the Final Fours, it never really materialized. And I look at Brian yeah. Kelly kind of the same way. Brian Kelly's got into a, a to a a championship game, yeah. But when you look at his overall body of work, he has lost games that you wish he he could have been more competitive in or won. Yeah. Uh, he is like this year is their best opportunity to crash a party that never been invited to because they're playing in a conference where if they win that conference outright, they're going to the final four. There's no way around it. Yeah. Because of who you would beat. And yeah, there's just no way around it because you're playing in the ACC and you have a chance to, to beat a Clemson and win a championship. You will be, in the final four, if you if you win all your games because you beat Clemson, but if you come up short, you're just going to be Digger Phelps. You didn't win the big game when you needed to. Yeah, he's gotten to one national championship game. Uh, I want to flush out from my memory. He's gotten to one uh, college football playoff semifinal again. I want to flush out from my memory. Um, Tim, I'll say this: I'm not sure uh, my Brian Kelly led team will ever get back to a playoff. But then again, let, let me say this. You fire him, you move on from him. There's nobody else out there right now that makes you go, they're infinitely better. Because I don't want, I know a lot of people say, oh, Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer probably won't touch this job because of all the stress 
and everything it brings on. And I don't, and I don't, and I'm not sure the people at Notre Dame want that. They went down that road 16, 17 years ago, not done and over with. Um, who's out there right now legitimately that makes you go, yes, they're, they're a better football team with this guy instead of that's, Brian Kelly. Well, that's the discussion to have when he's gone. So you're just stuck in. Well, that's, the, well, that's where that's nine, you get. Wins. Well, that's yeah. why I call him Digger Phelps. He's going to have yeah. a nice, nice career. But in the end, people are going to talk about what he what never has happened. Tim, I'm still holding out the um, small glimmer of hope that someday in mid-January, the number one sign of top Grace Hall will be lit up for the football team. But, yeah, I just don't – I think it's a good comparison. I think it's a good comparison. Good coaches, successful coaches yeah. will get you – to that point or almost to that point, but you quite can't finish the job. Yeah, it's going to be, it'll be interesting. Like I said, I think this is the year he could crash a party. With yeah, all, with is, some things. yeah. I think it's the best opportunity because you're basically playing, you know, you are part of the ACC this year. Yep. And mm -hmm. by that alone means you get to play Clemson no matter what, you know. I Maybe mean, twice remember, too. Right. And yeah. hey, you know, you got to take advantage of opportunities. I'll say and, this. And then I'll say this. Win and move on. They won. They, yeah. They're hey. one big win away from crashing a party. And we'll see if they're able to crash a party. I'll say this. Um, you know, obviously, you never want to win 12 to 7 against a team like Louisville. But in this kind of year where it's just – odd and nothing seems to be going right uh you're right win move on get ready for a pit team that has always caused you headaches and it's always been that nag in your side um because you're right tim you're one big win away um from crashing the party and if you win out sans clemson you're going to be playing them again in the acc title game because North Carolina last night looked terrible. Right. Virginia Tech's good, but they're not great. Boston College is okay. They're better than we thought, but they're still not great. Pitt stinks. I mean, Pitt's, Pitt is Pitt. And so uh, you're right. You you um, focus on the Panthers. Uh, we're going to Heinz Field. And uh, we'll try to take care of them and uh, – Get ready to keep moving on towards that uh, collision date, November 7th. You know, the Rolling Stones said it best, winning ugly. Hey, I'd rather win ugly than uh, be sitting where North Carolina is or be sitting where uh, some other teams are. Because, look. Yeah. Hey, let me put it this way. Let me, let me stop you there and just yeah. use, use the Rolling Stones' words okay. put it in mind. You will not – it will not be an act unkind. It will not be blind. I will not be so proud to come down from my cloud how can i live with my life this way in a beauty that's starting my face i can tell can't ain't that the truth ain't that the truth hold on girl let's win ugly hey we're winning ugly i hey winning ugly this year um has taken on a whole new meaning because let's face it two months ago we didn't think we were going to see college football so to be able to have college football and be able to say, hey, we won ugly. That's a lot better than sitting here and being like, well. I'd rather win ugly than lose. Oh, absolutely. And Losing ugly this, like the Browns did today was not fun. I made this point to my cousin yesterday uh, because it, it, it was frustrating. But let me say this. This team reminds me so much of watching a Jim Trestle coach team that it's not even funny. You're really good defensively. And we're good defensively. We're good special teams-wise. The offense has a game manager at quarterback that leans heavily on the run game and hopes to God you find a couple plays through the air. Um, and you're going to win a lot of games against a lot of inferior teams, 12 to 7. Because I remember a lot of games against a Slippery Rock or a Clarion. Um, I remember games that Trestle had against Clarion, it was 27-14 or 27-21.
Like they were ugly. And you look up, and there he is in December playing for a national championship. You know, it's like at Ohio State, he had games against Illinois. I remember like 17 to 10 or 17 to 7. Um, you know, Purdue. That whole 2002 season was playing the Illinois and Purdue's and all those teams, Northwesterns, and squeaking them out at the last minute. So, hey, he won a, uh, a lot of games winning ugly uh, in a non-pandemic shortened year. So I'm going to take every ugly win we can take this year, and I'm going to uh, thank Our Lady atop the dome. Because as Brian Kelly loves to say in his first one-liner after a, a game his press conference, and winning is ugly. Yeah, winning is ugly. But we right, did a lot that, of good things out there. With that, we're going to end this podcast. <laughs> We've uh, gone off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> for this, the Digger Phelps of sports, Tim Cotton, as along with Anthony Kathleen, wishing you the best this upcoming week. Go Irish. We can't wait to see you. Go Saturday. Irish is right. Beat Pep. Uh, Go Irish in every way, even for Notre Dame. And right. Go Buckeyes. Go. That's right. Let's, let's get them all in. Go go Browns. Go Broncos. Let's let's uh, get some W's this coming week. We get week. Patrick Mahomes next week. I don't want them. <laughs> Talk about you need to win ugly. Yeah. <laughs> At least I got Patrick Mahomes on my fantasy team. Me too. Me too. <laughs> all right. Uh, for Anthony, I am Tim. We will actually say goodnight. Have a great night, everyone.